Okay, so <clears throat> my best friend, athletic director, and fellow coach, Vince Morris, uh, was dying of lymphoma. And I would go to see him in the hospital. And every time I'd go to see him, I'd say, Coach, how you doing? And he'd look me in the eye and say, if I was doing any better, I'd have to be twins. And after he passed, I thought, if that rascal could say that, then to honor him, that's what I'm going to say whenever anybody asks me how I'm doing. Absolutely. That's great. What about, I've seen you a couple times where... Well, oh, i got a couple more phrases if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give us one or two. Uh, these got? are ones yeah. that got Vince and I in trouble. Okay. Uh, one year, we made up shirts, T-shirts for the team that said, cross-country runners do it longer, harder, and in the woods in their underwear. And we got in a little bit of trouble for that. And then one of my favorite sayings was that this is a shirt he let me design. It said, uh, cross country is the most fun you can have with your clothes on. So, yeah, I got in a little bit of trouble for that one, too. <laughs> we remembered one of those, I think, because when we were designing one, we did Eford cross country. Uh -huh. And we would go to the meets, and everybody would laugh at us because they thought we spelled it wrong. And then on the back, they put running your S's off. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember we were laughing our heads off, but we had some inspiration from you guys at some point because for some reason <laughs> it was related. I remember... And you know what escapes me now? Because I used to do it, and the kids used to look at me really weird, but we get in a huddle. I think it was Ziggy Zaggy, Ziggy Zaggy. Yeah, that was oh, yeah, 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 That yeah. was from the old man show. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and we try to do that as many times as possible, but yep. it just never stuck outside <laughs> of Seaford. It always stuck to Seaford, so that was pretty awesome. But, yeah. Um, when you um, think of the future of cross-country, do you see anything majorly changing with the sport? Or... <laughs> Just curious about you've seen a lot of involvements and a lot of transitions from like uh, athletes from track to cross country and the courses. I've I've observed a lot more courses that have propped up in different parks and there's hills that are built into them uh -huh. now and there's been a lot more developments of making a course that has the all round hill and everything. And I was just curious if you do you see any changes in the sport or anything with the courses or at least related to our area even or Delaware. I I don't think I've that much is going to change with the courses. There may be more of them. Mm -hmm. And with uh, the development of the Sand Hill course over in Georgetown, there's talk now of doing a three-year rotation for the state meet. You know, Newcastle County one year up at Brandywine, then Kent County at Killens Pond, and then the possibility of bringing a state meet to Sussex County and running at Sand Hill. That would be that would be spectacular for the for the sport in Sussex County and, and maybe Kent County somewhat too. Um, and that, you know, it's never happened. There's never been a state championship meet in cross country in Sussex County. That would be awesome. Um, and the, the main difference that I see now over when I started coaching is coaches now are a lot smarter. Everybody knows a lot more. We've learned more, you know, a whole lot more about better ways to train kids. When I started, everybody was just long, slow distance, long, slow distance. And that's pretty much forgotten now. People that are still doing that usually are finishing way behind the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, what, so, I mean, is the, I'm just curious the longevity, like what's kept you so tied to cross country for so long? I don't have enough sense to know when to stop. <laughs> Good. So, so I feel a little bit better about that. Then. Right. I've always seen you with a jacket too that says Wolfpack on it. What's the story behind that? Uh, 
I got that at the University of Nevada, Reno. Um, my son, Brian Lloyd, Caitlin McGrady, Christina Garmendia, there's one or two other kids I can't think of right now, but um, we did the postseason uh, like AAU meets for cross country and those, we, I had a bunch of Seifer kids that qualified at the regional meet and after the regional meet we went to a, a bigger meet that if we did well there, if the kids did individually did well there, they would get to go to the nationals and the, the meet in between the regional and the nationals was in Buffalo, New York. Um, and the kids did well there. And so we, I got Mike McGrady and uh, Nick Lloyd and a couple other parents and we organized a trip to Reno, Nevada. And we were in the, I took the kids to the bookstore at University of Nevada and I got a Wolfpack hat and a Wolfpack jacket just because I thought they were cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Because there, there's a Wolfpack in North Carolina. North Carolina right, State. Right? That's State. NC that's State. right. That's yeah. right. Because I always remembered that. And I'm like, huh. I wonder if there's a connection to NC State. So and I, I thought with yeah. cross country, you know, I always told the kids, you know, hunt like a pack of wolves. you got to go out together. Wolves don't go after something individually. Yeah. Uh, and that's not what you should be doing either. You need to stick together, keep that bunch of time close, yeah. go after everybody else in a pack. Yep, and what, I think one of the biggest difficulties, it's, I always try to find the happy in between. There's kids that just know each other, so they tend to, when they first join cross country, they tend to stick with each other, but mm -hmm. not not do their individual run, that's a thing. But and then trying to back off saying, how can you push each other along the course so you can keep that you know together, you know, so that you do finish close together. And so, there's, I mean, I don't know if you've ever dealt with that. How do you encourage the runners? to go after what they can do individually but also be able to support the team at the same time threaten them threaten them yeah. <laughs> threaten yeah. works yeah 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 you know yeah. i don't advocate <laughs> you know physical violence or anything right. but yeah, yeah threaten them yeah. if you don't do this there's going to be consequences bonus <laughs> yeah that works that works yeah i was curious to like when i'm looking at other teams and i always noticed when i was in delaware i always noticed the seashore striders they mm -hmm. came out a long time ago one time and ran with us at chapel branch and a lot of our athletes were amazed at how young those kids are and how yeah. good they can run and i was just wondering if you could tell if somebody's listening and they're just not familiar with the seashore striders <laughs> seashore striders could you tell them a little bit about what that organization is and does and yeah yeah, I, I'm not sure how long Tim's run that program, but Tim Bamforth uh, was a great runner at Cape Henlopen when he was in high school, and then he went on and ran at Dell State for four years. And I think it might have been right after he got his first, he got a teaching job, elementary uh, phys ed in the Cape District. And he organized a group for young kids. I mean, and by young, anywhere from six or seven up to high school. Um, and he, he trains them like once or twice a week. And then he encourages their participation in the regional meets and the national championship meets. Um, and he's had tremendous amount of success, of success with kids making, in their age group levels, making All-American. If you come in the top 20, I think, in the national meet, you're an All-American, and I don't know how many he's had, but it's an awful lot. You have to ask him. He could tell you how many, yeah. but 
No. I know um, my son, Andrew, and Brian Lloyd, Caitlin McGrady, Christina Garmendia, I got them involved with the Striders, um, and they had great experiences. Um, I think their junior, we actually got to go down to Disney World and ran at the Disney Sports Complex, awesome. and that was cool. That, yeah. that was a lot of fun. We always talk about the difficulties with being downstate teams and having to compete with when we go to Brandywine and the hills and things like that. And we're, we're trying our best to compensate them. Sometimes we, our solution is going to the beach and practicing on the dunes. And I think that seems like the best solution, at least for southern counties. And I was just curious if that poses a problem when you're training for cross country, preparing. Do you see that usually? Or how do you prepare? No, you just have to be careful yeah. which dunes you run in because yeah. some of them you're not allowed to right. run on of the beach grass Correct, and you yeah. could damage it but yeah um one thing that because we know that the state meet is going to be a brandy wine this year coach lindell has arranged for us to run in a bunch of invitationals in pennsylvania on really hilly courses nice to help us prep for that it's a great idea so yeah you look around and try to find you know hilly courses out of Sussex county because sure. speed bumps are our mountains down here right um right so yeah, I just you just got to look around and find places where you can run when you're. And that was a big hills. asset in Pennsylvania. I remember yeah. every 5K had a hill, a very steep oh, yeah, one, either yeah. at the beginning or at the end, and it was just normal. We're gonna run at Fairmount Park, and yes. there are two hills there. One they call Parachute Hill, and the other one is Suicide <laughs> Hill. Oh my! So yeah, yeah, we'll learn a lot on those. <laughs> Do you remember the Bull Run? Bull Run. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. We, Over in Hereford. Yeah, we yeah. used to run that, and that was the craziest thing ever. I mean, yeah, we ran that. Uh, yeah. Vince and I took kids over yeah. there for a couple. I times. loved that. We went there once or twice, and it was just amazing. Yeah. The numbers and the hills, and I just I like that course a lot. I think that was absolutely amazing. Um, was there like a very unexpected athlete that you didn't think would be a cross country runner that ended up turning out to be like? Wow, that was unexpected. Was there ever a one that stands out to you that you really didn't expect that person was going to be a cross-country runner turn out to be a st- like well, amazing? Yeah. The biggest, probably so far, the biggest surprise is a kid that's still running. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Baker came out as a freshman, and we could tell he was he was going to be a decent runner, and he was he made our varsity as a freshman, and then last year as a sophomore. He came out of nowhere and just dominated. He, I think he was fourth in the state meet. Um, you know, went from running in the mid to upper 17s to being on the verge of breaking 16 minutes for a 5K. Yeah. And that just blew us away. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. We knew he was going to be decent. But he didn't get to, we were thinking, okay, we'll see how well he does, you know, in track. You know, in his freshman year, and then COVID wiped out our track season. So we maybe we wouldn't have been surprised so much if we'd gotten to see him running in spring track, but you know, COVID took care of that. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, he's and God only knows how good he's going to end up being because yep. he's amazing. he's torn up with him. He's he's eaten up with him. He runs yeah. all the time. That's awesome. And he's smart and one of the nicest kids you ever. Met. Yeah. Great yeah. kid. Yeah. He's pretty amazing when we've seen him run. He just has a natural God-given ability, it seems like. He's just amazing. Talent is amazing. So. He works real hard, too. Yeah. I mean, he's got the natural talent, but he sure. works real hard. There's a hard. lot of work behind that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I know you probably have countless. I was just wondering if you'd be able to pull out of your uh, file cabinet 
one of the funniest things or moments that involve cross country that you can remember. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I got okay. the I got the all time showstopper for that one. <laughs> okay. I was coaching at Woodbridge High School, <laughs> and I don't know if it was the seventy. I don't think it was seventy nine. It must have been the eighty season, the fall of nineteen eighty. And I thought I had a pretty good cross country team, and we we did. We had a good cross country team, and we went up to Cesarotti, and I thought Cesarotti was. They were the stuff then. I mean, they hadn't been beaten in years. And I thought, I don't know if we can beat them, but we can scare the hell out of them. So we go up there, and the gun goes off. And it, the old CR course, you didn't get to see much of the course. It was kind of like running in the jungle. And when they came out of the woods, they maybe had another 200 meters to go before the finish line. And I expected to see the CR kids up front. But the first person out of the woods was a CR kid. Then the second person was from CR. Then the third, then the fourth, then the fifth. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way we're getting shut out here because we're a darn good team. Where are my top three runners? Seventh kid comes in from CR, eighth, ninth. And I'm like, what's going on here? Then I saw like our number four runner come out of the woods and then our number five and six. And I'm like, what is happening? And so after the race, we still didn't know where our top three runners were. So I thought maybe somebody went down and the other two guys didn't want to leave them. I'm going back out into those woods and I'm going to have to find them. So a bunch of the kids and I went out and were walking in the woods and we're walking for a while, and then we, all of a sudden we hear this, hey, hey, and I'm looking all around, I don't see anybody. And they're going, up here, up here. And I look, and there are my top three runners sitting high up in a tree. I'm like, okay, there's gotta be a good story behind this one. And I get, what in the world are you guys doing up there? What had happened was, on the other side of that woods, up at Sierra, there's a really big neighborhood, like a really big neighborhood. And when our guys went running through the woods, there was a, like a German shepherd dog that had been on like a rope or a chain, and he saw our guys coming, and he just went berserk and snapped his leash or chain, whatever, and went after him. And the only thing those guys could think to do was climb a tree because they didn't want this German shepherd getting hold of them. So they're up in up in a tree while everybody's running by him <coughs> excuse me and nobody saw him and so i guess the dog got tired and went went back home oh, bad timing. but uh i went oh. to charlie bell who was coaching at cr at the time and i said charlie any chance we could get a rematch and he said no nah, coach my schedule's full <laughs> so getting beat by a german shepherd has to be one of the best. And the other good story I have, my first year at Seaford, we used to run over at Williams Pond. It, it's kind of been built up and developed now, so there's really not enough room to have a course over there, but we used to have a course over there. And my first year, after practice, I thought, I better go over to the course, because our first meet is tomorrow. I better go over and just walk the course, make sure everything's okay. So, the first part of the course, we ran around a road that went around the baseball diamonds in there. And we came out a gate and ran alongside a fence before we went into the woods. 
So I'm walking the loop on the on the hard top around the baseball fields, and I come out through the fence, and I look, and along that fence, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was large, and I knew it smelled bad. And I walked up to it, and I looked, and there were large mounds of elephant poop. There had been a circus in town a couple of days before, and they chained the elephants to that fence, and nobody from the circus bothered to clean up after them. So I find myself going home, getting the biggest shovel I can find, and having to come back and shovel elephant poop off of my course. And I thought, you know, I'd be willing to bet my next paycheck that no other cross-country coach in the state of Delaware has ever had to shovel elephant poop off of their cross-country course. And to date, I've never heard of anybody having to do that. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that's a great... <laughs> wow. Um, what, what is your go-to to... Well, this is a two-part question. Okay, so obviously there's a little bit of humor in there, but what what is your go-to to recruit people to cross-country? But also, what would you say to somebody that has never considered cross-country, and why, would, why should they consider it? Uh, well, I start off with, you know, what might not be to them the obvious, but to me is the obvious, and that is anybody can run cross-country. Um, you don't need to be a certain height. You don't need to be a certain weight, although it does help to be sure. slender. Yeah. Um, but I always tell them the coolest thing, as far as I'm concerned about cross-country, is there's only one thing you need to do to get better at it and that's just do it go out and run every day and your body is going to adapt it's going to change you're going to get faster over time i've never seen anybody who wasn't injured get worse i've never seen anybody's times got worse over the course of your everybody's times come down and it's not subjective like you know you're playing soccer you're playing football you might have had a great game and your team got the snot kicked out of it. How do you know if you had a good game or not? Whereas in cross country, everything is definitive. I mean, you know if you had a good race because your time came down. Or you know if you had a good race because you passed somebody on your team you've never beaten before. And I tell kids that, that improvement is measurable in cross country, whereas in so many other sports, it's just so subjective. And you go after kids that I mean, you have a feel for a lot of kids. You know whether you know they're extrinsically or intrinsically motivated. And you get the ones that you feel pretty sure are intrinsically motivated, and you talk to them about how you know you do this on your own. There's no timeout. There's you know there's no substitutions. It's you against the clock. And for a lot of kids, that's attractive. You know, knowing that. They don't have to depend on somebody to pass them the ball or somebody to throw a block for them. That it's just them, them against the clock. So you, you kind of get a feel for if you know if you see a kid and you know he's kind of a flashy, showy kid, you think yeah, he might be pretty good in track. But as far as cross country, he's probably not the kind of guy that you think is going to really enjoy cross country yeah. or girl. I mean, I don't mean sure. the girls. Out. This is probably kind of related, but is there? What do you think is like the biggest misconception about the sport of cross country? That it's easy. Yeah. 
And a lot of people think, oh, all you do is go out there and run. You don't have to hit anybody. You don't get hit. I challenge any of those football players to come out and run for 3.1 miles at their optimum effort without having to stop. If they think it's an easy sport, come on out and try it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of grit. And I always make the parallel to like life, like the just persisting. And I mean, the thing is, you're always racing against yourself. If I can always, I always feel like if I can make the kids feel like they're racing against themselves every time they get on the line, then everything else is just gravy, you know, and just always trying to beat your own time. And I like that about cross country. Yeah, you I tell the kids, I read something, I don't know, it was one of the great Kenyan runners. I don't know if it was Kip Kano or Ben Chipcho or who, but one of them said, there is no nobility improving yourself better than another man. The only nobility is proving yourself better than your former self. And I, I throw that at him a lot too. It's true. That's, that seems like that's the sport of cross country. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it is. Well, before we leave you for today, do you have any <laughs> parting advice for anybody that is a current cross country runner going into this kind of crazy atmosphere and environment with everything yeah, going on? Yeah, the same thing I tell all of our kids. If you don't do your summer run and be, be prepared to suffer for the first three weeks, summer running is the key. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do monster mileage. Just, you know, after mid-June, you should be running 15, 20 miles a week. Mm-hmm. You know, three day, three miles a day will get you through. Sure. Um, and then as you go, you know, get closer to August, you start jacking it up a little bit. But summer running is the key to success. Yep. It's, I mean, it's crucial. You can tell which kids have done their summer first day of practice you can tell which kids have done their summer running and which kids haven't and one thing we've been since i came here back to cape henlopen you know it's you know how they say criminals always return to the scene of the crime i mean this is where i got started in my career of criminal coaching um (laughs) but since i've come back here i find that the kids here are prepared to give a little bit more than i've coached a lot of places yes um and kids here seem to be willing to put a lot more into it in the summertime. Yeah. You can come by this athletic complex right here any day, any weekday, all summer, and you'll see kids playing soccer out there. You'll see kids playing field hockey out there. You see kids in here playing lacrosse. You'll see kids running around the track. It's, it's endemic here. I mean, it's grain, ingrained into them that you want to be good around here, you better get your butt out there and practice in the summertime. It's all an investment. Yeah, more than most any place I've ever been or, or have knowledge of. Yep. You know? I think we definitely see that when we go to meets and invitationals and we see Cape. Um, you can see the crit and the determination on the course too yep. and before the course and even after. I mean, you can see the amount of uh, effort and investment that they put into it. It's pretty awesome. So, Yeah, I, I think <laughs> other than you know, the, the teams that I've helped to coach that have been real successful. One of the highlights of my coaching career is when I retired from teaching at Seaford High School and I wasn't sure what I was going to be doing in the fall. And Coach Pepper called me up and said, hey, I heard you retired. I said, yeah. What are you doing in the fall? I'm uh, not sure yet, Pep. I know. You're coming over here. You're going to help me. I said, all right. <laughs> I thought the chance to end my career where it all began, yep. you know, Cape and Lucan High School. 
Yeah. That just sounded too attractive for me to pass up. Yep, and that perfect. that was a big one. I, you know, <laughs> Pep and I were very good friends. We're darn close to being brothers, but that was a big one. Getting a chance to come back here and finish out where yep. everything started. Well, it's always good to see you across the field. When I came back <laughs> after coming back from Mexico, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. And I certainly didn't think I would be going back to coaching cross country. So <laughs> it felt like uh, back in the saddle again when we were coaching together at Seaford. But it's just nice to be able to, we were talking to Jay Diaz a couple months ago, uh-huh. and it's just really awesome to be able to have this uh, community of coaches where you see each other across and at invitationals and at meets and just share like the things that you're trying to do to have the kids be more successful. It's really nice to see familiar faces. Yeah, that, so. that's the whole thing, you know. <laughs> the reason why I've, I've never even thought about retiring is I still enjoy working with the kids so much. It, you know, I'm 127 years old, but I don't feel a day over 115 because <laughs> I come out and work with kids all the time. That's true. I think it is about the schedule and the activity and how active you keep and the things that you love yeah. and the things you're interested in. It makes a big difference in age. So, and just your life. I mean, in yeah, general. Yeah, you know, in is. general. I mean, you think, wait a minute, okay. 130 times three is 390. 390 divided by 12. I know. Over 30 years of my life, if you ran them all consecutively, sure. I would have been involved in coaching. Yeah, I was so. trying to think about that this morning when we were talking about how many seasons you had. And I said, okay, if that's divided by years. <laughs> divided, what does that equal out to? I was trying to think of that. I've only time. had two seasons off oh, really? since, yeah. since November of 1977. Oh, I, uh, the first season I had off was my first year at Seas Rodney because I didn't get hired till like late August. So I didn't have a chance to even apply for any coaching jobs. And then the, the, okay, my son Andrew was born in July. I couldn't really retire or take a year off that fall because it would have left Seaford hanging and you know, trying to find a coach. But I let him know I was going to take the next fall off so I could spend some time with Andrew you know, when he was still real little. And those are the only two seasons I've ever had off. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and it's it's amazing to hear you talk about people that are now in the school system that <laughs> you used to either teach them or you used to or coach teach them. their grandparents. Right, right. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's but that's cool to have that network and that that's amazing. I mean, I think that's the bonus part of putting in so much time. It's yeah. just being how tight knit everything is and how many people you know. People it's like used a Bible. To ask me when I was going <laughs> to retire. And I would tell him, you know, I think I'm going to retire when the first kid comes up to me and says, hey, you taught or you coached my grandfather. <laughs> I thought that's when I'm going to retire. But it's happened a couple of times and I'm still here. That's so great. That's so great. And I mean, it just, just at least from our district at Woodbridge, we, if I get this right, right you said you're... You, somebody in your family used to babysit our superintendent. My correct? wife. Your wife used to babysit him. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I but she's even... young. <laughs> I'm the old one. <laughs> no, I, I think that's hysterical. Yeah. And I want to go on record as saying my wife is young. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing your time with us today. And thanks for giving us some insights into cross country. I really appreciate it. No problem. It's my pleasure. Uh, that is awesome.